So do you need a, a shield this morning? That's a beautiful metaphor when you think about it. Uh, the Lord as our shield. I look over our prayer list. I look around this room. I think that's a metaphor that we can grab a hold of this morning. I think that's a metaphor that's very accessible to us. Uh, life can hit us really hard. There are things that come our way from out of nowhere. And yet we know that God is present with us, uh, buffering the winds and deflecting the arrows. And I've often wondered what we would be able to see if God would lift up the shades and let us look into the invisible realm and see all that's going on in the background. I suspect that that metaphor of God as our shield would become that much more precious to us. We'd grab a hold of it if, if we could really see what was going on in the background. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through life. I don't want to go into battle without a shield. And this morning, we're going to build on that metaphor of God as our shield in our sermon passage today. If you want to turn to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 4, we're going to look at a story of a woman named Honeybee, Deborah, and also a man named Lightning, Barak. And only one of these people really lives up to their names, if you consider Honeybee a positive name, which I do. As you turn to Judges 4, I want to thank Mark Ship for his sermon last week and reminding us of the story of Jehoshaphat, a story that I'd really forgotten. And I love that prayer that was mentioned there. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's an honest prayer. Uh, that's one that I'm going to grab a hold of. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And In those situations in life, whenever we don't know what to do, when the path is not clear, I have found time and time again that God sends us people at just the right time. That's really what this series is all about, this series that we've been working through. It's about the church. It's about relationships that God has given to us, the different types of relationships that help us to flourish in this world, that help us to be the people God has called us to be in the kingdom of God. And thus far, we've looked at different types of relationships in Scripture, uh, things that we all need. We can't live without them. Uh, we need a Nathan, a truth teller. We need a Jonathan, a true friend. We need a Mordecai, someone to spur us, to challenge us. We need a Timothy, a protege, someone who's coming behind us that we can pour our wisdom into. We need a Barnabas, an encourager. We need a Paul, a mentor. And this morning we find another relationship. This time it's the woman, the judge, the prophetess, Deborah. Everyone needs a Deborah. Well, let's hear the word of God in Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of the army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth Hagoim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly 
20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lipidoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoam from Kedesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take possession at Mount Tabor, bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kaishan with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Verse 8, Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Not Deborah, by the way, another woman. Then Deborah got up and went back with Barak of Ke- to Kedesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh, and 10,000 warriors went up behind him, and Deborah went up with him. May God bless the reading of His Word. I'm going to draw upon my inner Woody Woodrow this morning. And I'm going to begin our time with some comic strips because there's an image that came to my mind as I was working through this passage this week. It was the character Linus from the Peanuts comic strip. And maybe it came to my mind this week because of the season we're entering into Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, I have the Charlie Brown specials dancing in my head. But Linus is a special character. He's Charlie's best friend. Of course, Linus is never alone. There is a not-so-hidden character that is attached to Linus all the time. Do you remember who that character is? Well, here's a hint in case you've forgotten So Lucy's talking to Charlie Brown. Linus said that uh, Miss Othmar really spoke out against blankets today. She said that if a child dragged a blanket around with him, it was a sign of immaturity. And she said that she would never put up with that. Charlie Brown said, wow, uh, that means he's going to have to choose between his blanket and Miss Othmar, doesn't it? And Linus says, who's Miss Othmar? And this next one's really profound. I would say psychologically profound. I'm not even going to read it. I'll just let it sit there for a minute. <laughs> Linus is perhaps the first, if not the most famous character who has a security blanket. It never leaves his side. It's so much a part of him that if Lucy steps on it, he actually feels the pain. And you take that security blanket away, well, Linus experiences immense anxiety. And maybe there are children here, uh, perhaps children who have gone to children's worship, who have their own security blanket. Uh, Maybe it could be a doll, it could be a teddy bear, some type of toy. Something that brings them comfort and a feeling of safety. Whenever the lights go out, they can cling to this blanket to help them rest. 
And I think for adults, we have our own versions of security blankets. And so that's a question for us this morning. Can you identify your security blanket? Think about that for a few seconds. What is your security blanket? This week, our family is coming up on a very ominous anniversary from three years ago. It was on the 26th of October when Julie complained about some numbness in her arm. And we went to the emergency room and uh, started this journey that we're on now, this new normal. And of course, the church has walked with us and continues to walk with us. The church is very much a security blanket for our family When I look back on those three months, in particular those two months when Julie was away from our house in rehab, uh, I learned some things about myself. I learned how I manage anxiety and stress, and I know that many of you in this room experience this as well. I couldn't sleep in those two months. I tried different things. Uh, During the day, I would push through make decisions, Uh, really it was in a kind of survival mode. Um, But at night I would lay my head down and, well, I couldn't turn my brain off. That's when the words to the hymn we sang earlier, the future unknown, just, it just went into this cycle and just would not shut down. So I tried different things, but finally I just accepted I was not going to sleep in that particular season of my life. I was searching for things that I could cling to to help me rest, but I couldn't find it. There was no security blanket that would hold up. So little children cling to their blankets in order to sleep. Mine were failing. Maybe the question is not so much can you identify your security blanket, but really the more important question is Will those blankets hold up whenever the fire comes? How well will they hold up? What does this have to do with Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 10? Well, that depends on who you think is the main character in this story. Of course, God is the main character in Judges. But it's interesting to me when you go to the New Testament, when you go to Hebrews chapter 11, and you read about the hall of fame of faith in You read about all all these names. You read about the the great heroes of faith. Uh, These people who had to trust. They were being led somewhere and they were seeking a better country. They didn't call this world their home. And so you have this list of names. And then you get to chapter 11, verse 32. After talking about Abel, Enoch, Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, Moses... The preacher in Hebrews says this in chapter 11, verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak. Barak? Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets. Barak? Maybe there's a misprint in my Bible. Barak, 
the man whose name means lightning, is in the hall of fame of faith. That doesn't quite add up with what I read in Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Uh, So looking at the beginning of Judges 4, you have that same cycle of sin that we find throughout uh, the whole book of Judges. Israel lives in a time of peace, and then they begin to chase other gods. And then God allows another army, a foreign army, to come and take Israel out or take them over. And they oppress the people. And out of that oppression, the people cry out in their agony. God hears their cries. God raises up a judge. God has the judge lead the army against these foreign nations. God gives the people victory. They repent. They live in peace until they begin to chase after other gods. And that is the cycle of sin in Judges. That's really the cycle of sin in the Old Testament. And if you really want to think about it, that could be our own cycle of sin. But in Judges 4, the story that maybe some of your Bibles have the subtitle Deborah, it's actually Barak who's leading the army. Barak, lightning, the lightning that is hesitant to strike. It takes a commissioning from the one who's actually judging disputes in Israel, the woman named Honeybee. She's the one who speaks the word of the Lord to Barak. She's the one who gives Barak marching orders from God to go against the Canaanites. The prophetess Honeybee is buzzing about Barak, trying to stir him into action, trying to get lightning to strike. But it's here where I diverge a bit from Leonard Sweet, the author of 11 Indispensable Relationships You Can't Be Without, the the book that I'm using as a conversation partner for this series. Sweet calls Deborah a back coverer. And he spends some time in his book describing Deborah as a kind of bodyguard for Barak. She's the kind of person who absorbs attacks from betrayers. She is the left tackle for a right-handed quarterback, protecting the quarterback from the blind side. She's the secret service agent for a president ready to take a bullet. And he bases this, of course, on Barak's response to Deborah when he says, If you go, I'll go. If you don't go, I'm not going. I'm not going without you, Deborah. And Sweet says, We all need a Deborah. We need someone who's going to say, I've got your back. And there is that aspect to the story of Deborah. No doubt we all need that type of person in our lives. But after doing a little digging, I believe that Barak has gotten a kind of bum rap. No, his response is not what you would hope for in a leader of an army. But there's a reason why he's in Hebrews 11, the hall of fame of faith. And perhaps we can look at Barak's response from a little different angle this morning. Barak is being asked to do something very dangerous. He's being called to go up against Sisera. And not only was he being called to go against a seasoned veteran, a seasoned general, but he's, he's taking the Lord's army and putting them against an advanced army, an army that is superior, an army that has more advanced technology. This is no small task to go against 900 chariots of iron. Barak was facing a crisis of fear, a crisis of death when Deborah brings him his commissioning orders from God. But why would Barak not go into battle 
without Deborah. Well, first, it's important to note that Deborah doesn't really go into battle with Barak. She's not by his side taking arrows. She's not acting as the secret servant service agent for Barak. No, her actions precede the battle. She spurs him on. Uh, later on in the story, she says, Up! For this is the day which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. The Lord is indeed going before you, Barak. Go! And so he goes down to meet Sisera on the battlefield. And we don't hear about Deborah until she and Barak start singing this song in Judges chapter 5. So what is Deborah's role in this story? Well, I believe one of the reasons why Barak doesn't want to go meet Sisera without Deborah is because Deborah is a prophetess. Deborah seems to have some connection with God. Deborah seems to have a direct line to God. And I wonder if the reason why Barak wants Deborah to come along is because for Barak, Deborah represents something tangible. The tangible manifestation of God's presence. That in Barak's mind, he's not taking Deborah along as much as he's taking God along. And Barak doesn't want to take one single step without God's presence embodied in Deborah. So instead of calling Deborah a back cover or a bodyguard or a secret service agent, I see Deborah as a calming presence, a security blanket, providing assurance and safety and calm in a most intense situation. And in the kingdom of God, every last one of us needs a Deborah. We need a calming presence in our lives when we, we are being stretched to our limits. Three years ago, I went through a period where I couldn't sleep. It was an acute situation for sure. I needed a security blanket, but those security blankets were failing. There is one part that I left out, though. I was able to get sleep one night a week. On Tuesday evening each week, I was able to rest. You see, on Tuesdays, that's when my mother-in-law came into town. She spent the night at our house. She took care of the kids. She took care of all the different activities. She cleaned. She cooked a meal. And I would go and eat dinner. And immediately, I would go to bed and sleep like a baby. The kind of baby that sleeps through the night. <laughs> I've not really never really understood that phrase. <laughs> One night a week, and I was able to do this because there was a calming presence in the house. There was a Deborah. I look back on those months 
course, with mixed feelings, but I also have intense joy because it wasn't just one Deborah. It was several Deborahs who came to our family. They were present, giving our house the gift of calm. I'm going to cheat this morning, and I'm going to give us two relationships that we can't be without. Number one, we can't be without a Deborah. We can't work through life, walk through life without a Deborah, someone who is present with us in stressful times, whether it is some kind of crisis or maybe it's a mission that God has called us to that is beyond us. It's one of the reasons why I believe Jesus sent the apostles out two by two. We need that other presence. We need someone who is connected to God, the hands and feet of Jesus We need a tangible manifestation of God's presence. God is with us. We're about to enter into that season of Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus made that promise at the end of Matthew. He said, behold, I am with you even unto the end of the age. And I wonder how often God is present with us through those Deborahs that he sends to our side. The security blankets of his presence. But there's a second relationship in this story. Not only do all of us need a Deborah, we also need a Barak. As we have received the calming presence from someone else, we have the opportunity to be a calming presence for someone else. We're a church family. And there are people here in this room right now who are being pushed to their limits whether it is a health crisis or faith crisis or a mission that is beyond them. There are people here, there are people in that camera right now who are sitting at home who are experiencing chaos in their lives and they need a calming presence. They need a security blanket. They need their church family. They need the hands and feet of Jesus They need the temple of God's abiding spirit. They need the gospel with flesh to walk alongside them and give them the gift of calm. So is God sending a Barak to you? Is there a Barak in your midst right now? Is there someone for whom you can be a calming presence? I wonder what names and faces are flooding your minds right now. May we respond to the Spirit of God, the prompting of the Spirit this morning. May we be a shield for our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we be the church whom God is working through and in for His glory and for His good pleasure. Salvation belongs to our God. If you would like to respond to the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, who is Lord and who continues to dwell among us through His Spirit. We invite you to come respond to the good news as we stand and as we sing.